Oh, hey, excuse me. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody, depending on what part of the country you're in. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, who is uh, powering my way through a cold. And I'm joined by my friend, William Diaz and Danny Bolford. Um, and uh, we are uh, hosting the Rebel News daily live stream. This live stream used to be just hosted at noon Eastern 10 Mountain, where we would talk about the news of the day. But as it turns out, the only news of the day is what's unfolding inside the Public Order Emergencies Commission yeah. in Ottawa, what we're calling the Truckers Commission. First off, before we get too far into what exactly we're doing here, how's it going, guys? Bro, my place doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good. It, I think uh, <laughs> so far it's reflecting pretty favorably on us. Yeah, very interesting stuff today yeah. as well. Yeah, I uh, I probably should have taken a sick day, but no amount of stretchy pants and heated blankets on the couch would take me away from watching Steve Bell get ripped apart <laughs> by Brendan Miller. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I should uh, let everybody know how they at home can get involved in the stream. If you'd like to send us a chat, um, we'll do our best to read it on the air if time permits. Um, if your uh, chat, paid chat is over five bucks um, and you can do that on Rumble. It's called a Rumble Rant on Odyssey. It's called a Hyper Chat. And unlike the Trudeau colonized media doing their best to s polish the turd of the Emergencies Act, um, we don't take a dime from Justin Trudeau. And uh, that I think it shows definitely in our reporting. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I, I'll ask you, uh, Danny, that we have you. Uh, what you're seeing at the Emergencies Act Commission with the chaos that's mm -hmm. evident um, mm -hmm. with the OPS, was that your experience? You know, when you had the what they call the PLT, the Police Liaison Team Unit, doing their best to negotiate um, to move some trucks and truckers being willing to do that. And then the OPS just moving in and undoing all of that, uh, notably when they started seizing uh, fuel and charging people with mischief for delivering fuel at uh, Coventry, I think it was. Um, what's What was your experience? Did you feel the chaos that we can all see now? Definitely. Yeah. And uh, even, even for on our end of things, like people who were involved in volunteering with the protest, <clears throat> it was very yeah. chaotic because it was very last minute, massive in scale and very little time to plan and prepare. And then uh, I actually don't recall anyone being charged during the fuel seizure at Coventry. I know a couple of people were arrested, but I think they were ended up released without charge, which is kind of what I would expect for people that were arrested for mischief, for obstructing enjoyment of property. Um, that's not something you would I've ever heard of or ever did in my career was to charge someone for that degree of mischief. Usually a, a mischief charge would only result after actual property damage had occurred. Um, now, but I, I, I think typically most of these big, large demonstrations are a, a big uh, event that would happen in Ottawa where there'd be multiple police agencies involved. Like I used to be involved in like a Canada day. They're like, the planning begins for those a year in advance. And so even my own little sniper part of the plan, when I was still doing that job, we would start like months and months in advance. And so this all happened very, very hastily, right? As the convoy was converging on Ottawa, 
And actually, I actually kind of had a chuckle to myself the other day mm-hmm. when uh, OPP Superintendent Abrams said that, you know, he was talking about short timelines and mentioned that he was engaged on uh, January 24th. Mm-hmm. I kind of laughed because I wasn't engaged in the protest until January 26th. So he actually had more time to prepare <laughs> than I did. And you guys were so more organized than both the OPP and the OPS. <laughs> I, you know, I honestly think, um, I don't know if you can give us the credit for being organized. I think it was just the how industrious the the working class of Canadians are like anytime that there was a problem that we needed, that we were trying to think of, of a solution to solve people Mm -hmm. would just do it. They would just come up with a solution and just get the job done. Like Mm -hmm. snow removal. They just did it. Garbage collection. They just did it. People just took care of stuff. They just took care of business. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a trucker mentality. It is. That's that's what the truckers do. But there's something she said earlier, you talked about property damage, talk about actual damage that protester would do or rioters would do. For instance, we saw BLM protests. We saw buildings burn on fire, windows being, broken i think from the beginning of the commission we often talk about psychological so-called alleged damage mm-hmm. on the citizens of ottawa we we also often see that and just today steve bell talked about how um the trucker allegedly the trucker convoy allegedly traumatized ottawa citizens living in downtown court and it seems like according to to, to his testimony this is enough for him to want to arrest truckers to want to make sure we implement the emergencies like that we trample on the civil liberties of the truckers what you what you make of that well i think uh you know he's he's using that same inflammatory language that we've seen from elected officials right where they're yeah. they keep talking about the violence that was committed against the protesters and during brandon mm-hmm. miller's cross-examination he got steve bell to admit that he no real violence within the threshold of the criminal code definition or the section two of the CSIS act which mm-hmm. is really the only type of violence that you might have you might be able to articulate the implementation of the emergencies act to prevent or to address. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very, that was key. Like that was a great job from Brendan Miller and it it validates what my experience was, right? Like we Mm -hmm. keep hearing all of these attacks on attacks, uh, allegations of attacks on Mm -hmm. citizens and ripping masks off and all of these horrible behaviors from the convoy protesters. That certainly was not my experience. I didn't see it. And I was doing perimeter walks around the city of Ottawa late at night, early morning, all the time. And need, and a lot of the people that were helping me in the volunteer side of things, mm-hmm. same thing. We, 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 weren't, we weren't seeing that. We weren't experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear those allegations made, I think to myself, okay, well, where's the evidence of that? Because yeah. anyone can make a right. claim. But if you don't back it up with evidence, then... It's it's just your word against ours, yeah. right? And yeah. in, in my experience as a, as a police investigator, you almost always have to have some type of corroborating mm-hmm. evidence to to uh, to go with the allegation that's made. And so far, I've seen yeah. a, a complete lack of evidence to support those claims. Mm-hmm. You know what? I I think we skipped ahead of ourselves a little bit here because um, we really have an expert in the house with us. For people who don't know, Danny, why don't you explain some of your background? Because um, you, for you to say these things about the police chaos, you come at this with some expertise. Yeah, well, okay. So I was a RCMP officer for roughly 15 years. I spent the first six and a half, almost seven years of my career doing uh, general duty policing up in the Yukon Territory. And then I transferred to Ottawa in 2013, where for the last eight years of my career, I was a full-time uh, sniper observer on the National Division Emergency Response Team. And so 
you know, we would do all of the typical things that a tactical unit would be expected to do. Plus, because we were here in the Ottawa, in the National Capital Region, one of our primary functions was supporting the protection of the Prime Minister and other VIPs visiting heads of state. And so I've, I've, I've been involved in a number of these huge events that are often happen in downtown Ottawa. <clears throat> and actually, I've been heavily involved in the planning of those events as well. I, yeah, I was going to say you would be involved in the planning and preparation for an Emergencies Act level event. Um, so I guess you would be the expert to say that this actually doesn't rise to any of those things. But you said a lot of really interesting things in your first uh, in your first response to us. One of the things I found interesting was um, the difference between a left wing and a right wing protest. Uh, a left wing protest generally brings carnage, uh, destruction rapes and drug overdoses. And in this right-wing protest in three weeks, they built a little bit of a society. They had garbage pickup and street cleanups mm -hmm. and they were feeding the homeless and they had, you know, um, like, it, like emergency services almost, you know, when people get hurt, but that's when you have useful people <laughs> converging on a place and they have useful life skills. Um, but uh, you also noted the lack of evidence for the things that in, former interim chief bell was saying mm -hmm. and i think it's that's why it's so important that he keeps redefining what violence means um he referred to violence as you know the things that people were feeling emotion wise mm -hmm. and not actually what they were experiencing physically um there was i i tried to quickly write down what he was saying when he was pushed back by Brennan Miller. And um, he said he was describing the violence that they felt and not the violence that they experienced. Mm -hmm. um, he said it was like the perpetual honking, the um, interactions they had on the street. So just the fact that there were blue collar people on their street who had held different viewpoints that amounted to violence. And you expect that sort of language from a left wing career student, but not the guy in charge of policing during the time of a, a an alleged national crisis. Mm -hmm. Well, on, on the honking issue in particular, yeah, for sure. The, the first couple of days, there was a lot of honking, but it's certainly like to say it was incessant 24, seven, seven days a week. That's not true. Um, by four days in, I think by February 1st, I had, yep. I received my very first complaint from an Ottawa resident about the honking. And not, even by the time that that auto, I spoke to that Ottawa resident, I advised them that the truck captains had already established a honking schedule with the, in respect of the Ottawa citizens, because they didn't want to wear out their welcome. And, and it was, you know, uh, I think it was roughly, if I remember correctly, it started off once on the hour from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I think it got tweaked a little bit from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then there'd be no honking throughout the middle of the night. Now, that's not to say that there may not have been the odd random honk mm -hmm. throughout the three weeks yeah. outside of that scheduled time. However, the vast majority of the convoy participants and the truck drivers with the big horns prescribed to that because we were all on the same page. Everyone knew that the narrative was going to be completely stacked against us to try and demonize us and make us appear to be the worst type of human being possible. And so everything that the 
convoy protesters did was a, like a PR move by design, right? We wanted to make sure we appeared completely non-threatening. The message was always peaceful, peaceful, no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's why there was the bouncy, cancel, bouncy castles and the attempt to make it look like more of a festive atmosphere as opposed to like an aggressive one. The garbage collection, yeah. the snow removal, the the veterans who stood on guard to provide security for the war memorial, the convoy protesters who tented out in those temperatures 24-7 to guard the Terry Fox statue. Every single thing, every single allegation that was thrown at us, the protesters responded with their own solution to that problem with the desired effect of getting, of winning over the hearts and minds of the people who are actually watching it firsthand. And not, not only did you manage the, the honking only a couple of days after it started, but then you also had the injunction. Yeah, the by, injunction came yeah, afterward. That started yeah. with uh, Zegzi Lee yeah. saying that you're not allowed to honk anymore. So there was really no honking 24-7, seven no, days a week. No, that's, that's completely false. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, some of the things that uh, Steve Bell used, he said there was, he said there were hate or bias crimes, but, and, and he also said assaultive behavior and a sense that residents couldn't leave their houses. Well, somebody else's agoraphobia is not really a civil liberties, uh, just like a justification to strip so many people of their civil liberties and seize their bank accounts because a lot of people are on a little bit too much CBC and have too much anxiety, mm -hmm. but the hate and bias crimes, that's actually a thing. And unfortunately has no evidence to back that up because Brendan Miller, um, just absolutely destroyed him when he impugned him with his own crime statistics. The mm -hmm. first, and it was interesting because Brendan Miller was playing like 4d chess and I was just reading documents. Um, so he went through the initial, like, uh, amount of actual charges that stuck um, between January 27th and February 13th, so the day before the invocation of the Emergencies Act. 16 mm -hmm. criminal charges stemming from the convoy. At one point, I bet 100,000 people had converged on the city. And 16 charges. That was it. And as it turns out, the majority of those were for mischief, for delivering firewood and the like. Um, but it was funny because Steve Bell said, oh, but you know what? There's a better document with a better breakdown. So Miller goes, yeah, I got it and tries to show it to him. And then mm -hmm. the OPS lawyer objects, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty well, funny. But, okay, can we show part sorry, of, just, the, of the sure. I just want to go through the breakdown, though. So as as the breakdown was, the secondary document that OPS said was better, but then they didn't want to show it. Um, there were no hate crimes during the entire convoy. There were no charges of uttering threats to damage property. In total, there were five violent offenses charged between January 28th and February 13th. So four charges for assault. There were days when no one was charged whatsoever and just one assault with a weapon charge. And as you know, that can be anything. It doesn't have to be a firearm. Go ahead. I, I, I have some information on that, actually, which was... Please. Uh, spoken about at, uh, at one of the press conferences that I did with Tom Quiggin during the convoy, where some of those offenses that are related to the protest were actually people who were targeting the protest. So one, one uh, Ottawa resident who is well known to police, he's a police regular, uh, he was charged with carrying weapons in a public place. So some of those weapons charges stem from that. But there, mm -hmm. And of course, the media wrote about it, but there was no correction 
made by the police or by the right. media after the fact when when and I had actually shared some of his social media posts with the Ottawa with the police liaison saying hey look out for this guy he's talking about like harming people and harming mm-hmm. the convoy <clears throat> and then uh the assault with a weapon I don't know for certain but not too long into the convoy there was a female counter protester I guess you could call um that used was walking past people who were preparing food on the side of the street and used OC spray like pepper spray on some of the yep. convoy protesters and the mm-hmm. Ottawa police service <laughs> happened to be right there and ended up arresting her and taking her away and then there was uh. another uh, report of an, a local Ottawa resident who had smashed the window I believe at a shopper's drug mart and I believe it was actually called into the police by one of the truckers. So uh, huh. even though these they they claim that all these charges are related to the protest, it may be related, but it doesn't mean that offenses were right. committed Attributed. by convoy protesters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so that's think, interesting. I think, I think that's we're just like a, a play on words. Yeah, I think that's interesting because it's just like the so-called arson that was attributed mm-hmm. yep. to the convoy, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't all of a sudden. But that lie got all the way around the world before the truth put its pants on, and. I might be the only person who actually reads through the evidentiary documents that are submitted to mm-hmm. the uh, commission that, 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 you know, that they refer back to and you mm-hmm. can sort of see them scroll past yeah. interesting things. Well, I go back and look at those documents. And as it yeah. turns out, that arson was so deadly that it was never actually reported to police until the police saw the social media postings on the internet because they reported mm-hmm. it to Twitter and they didn't actually report it. And so the police went on their own to investigate, wondering why nobody had bothered to report this deadly, yeah. deadly art, I guess, because it didn't fit the narrative. Can I also make but, one more point about the hate crime? Sure. You know, that there, that was alluded to by Deputy Chief Bell. However, then his own crime statistics proved that there, there was no charges laid regarding any of those right. offenses. However, I am aware that... There was a hate crime investigation by the Ottawa police due to a hate crime that was committed against the Vanier Community Bikers Church during the duration of during the time that the convoy was in town. Yeah. 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 And just just before you continue, Sheila, because we've been talking for a little while, I think some of the viewers didn't necessarily watch the commission. So would it be possible to show show one of the clips from Brendan Miller having the interaction with uh, Steve Bell from this afternoon? Perfect morris already you sort of touched on that and he had stated that the lack of violence in ottawa uh, during the protest was actually shocking so i don't don't recall that statement all right so is it fair to say that when you use the phrase violence you're not actually describing any form of physical assaults are you i'm I'm, well physical assaults do contribute to what i'm describing i was specifically describing the violence that our community felt as a result of the culmination of actions that the occupiers engaged in. So the violence that they felt, not actual violence, is that what you're saying? That is correct. Not not the criminal code definition of violence, but the violence that they felt by having incessant horns blared. Right. And by not... having trucks run 24-7 a day. Right. By having people intimidate them and follow them. And by having people rip masks off their head. By feeling sheltered in their homes. Well, I, I, th- thank you. I understand what you mean. But you're not talking about violence under Section 2 of the CSIS Act, are you? No, I'm not. Thanks. 
And he used, he used the same arguments, the mask getting ripped off on the Facebook protesters. Okay, that's, the that's same actual violence. That Watson did. Yeah. yeah, but that's actual violence. Where's the charge for that? If that actually mm -hmm. happened, what, what, where are those no, people exactly. to be charged? And everything else, he just admitted that it has nothing to do with actual violence, according to to, to your own laws. So, <laughs> I mean, thank you for that, Steve Bell. Well, I mean, and I think like the vast majority of us who were here would never condone anyone ripping someone else's mask off of their face or any kind of behavior like that. But I've heard that claim over and over again, and I have yet to see any compelling evidence that that actually occurred. Or even an arrest, even an arrest related to the incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there are some other crazy things that he said too, um, that he's, you know, that he couldn't even, he keeps wanting to try to insist that the emergencies act was necessary. He's seems to be the only one who's sort of playing that political side of it. The other one said, yeah, it would have resolved on its own. It was, it was kind of mm -hmm. nice to have it sped things up, but it wasn't necessary. He's trying to play fast and loose saying, you know, it gave us that firm operational mm -hmm. footing to create the exclusion zone, the red zone, as they called it. But from what I understand, they had the tools to do that under existing Ontario law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my experience with big events, like let's say the G20 summit that happened in Toronto back in 2010, which did involve like some serious property damage and burning of police cars during the riots, they had a controlled access zone established before that summit occurred. And mo it, they usually do before most summits do. And there was, an, and, and I don't know why you would require an emergencies act to establish a red zone when they established controlled access zones they would on a regular basis yeah. without invoking an emergencies act. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I remember, I think it was the G20, they called it the free speech zone, but you could only like have your little free speech in like one area. Yeah. Laughable. Um, I also noticed that Brenda Lucky, uh, RCMP commissioner featured prominently in a few things here. For example, mm -hmm. there's a, there's an email between herself and public safety where she is telling them that she said, that said, I'm of the view that we have not exhausted all available tools that are readily available through the existing legislation. There are mm -hmm. instances where charges can be laid under existing authorities for various criminal code offenses occurring right now in the context of the protest. The Ontario Provincial Emergencies Act just enacted will also help in providing additional deterrent tools to our existing toolbox. These existing tools are considered in our existing plans and we used in due course as necessary. That's what she says on February 13th to the mm -hmm. public safety ministry. Mm -hmm. That's pretty damning because that, that hangs it around the neck of the RCMP. Um, but also Mendicino, his ministry knew that there was plenty of things they could be doing that they weren't doing. And instead he just went, I mean, he hit the nuclear button. Yeah, and even 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 Deputy Chief Bell did finally, under cross examination from uh, Brenda Miller, did concede that there was existing legislation or existing tools that they could have used prior to re um, requiring the Emergencies Act. Yeah, there mm -hmm. were other things too, like just if you read these emails back and forth, um, I mean, just. 
you guys were willing to move trucks. You were trying to move trucks. You, you know, you're sort of limited. They don't they don't have enough cops to help you move trucks because the OPP were dealing with Windsor. You can see that in the policing staffing up numbers. Once Windsor re resolved, OPP uh, deployed to Ottawa. It had nothing to do with the Emergencies Act. But there were times mm -hmm. in here where you could see that you guys were trying to move trucks, but then they said, don't move them there because the senators will have to walk past them. Mm. So, you know, it was just like, you know, like you guys were doing your best, it sounds like, mm -hmm. to alleviate the pressure, the violence, if you ask Steve Bell, on the local residents, but the police weren't being accommodated and they were sort of trying to spare the well-kept senators the ugliness of it all. Well, and uh, one other thing that Deputy Chief Bell said in his testimony that kind of piqued my ears, and but it, it's consistent with what we've heard from other police witnesses so far, is he kept saying that the Emergencies Act provided this stable framework uh, for yeah. what they're to basically execute their plan. But prior to that, earlier in his testimony, he was using that same language. And he said something about to clarify or clearly communicate to our members what authority they were acting under. And so I think there's been a lot of discussion back and forth between the police witnesses prior to uh, Steve Bell about how there was a lot of questioning amongst police especially for the the fuel seizure at Coventry Road as to what lawful authority they were they were they about to, to conduct an enforcement action yeah. under and there was definitely some some contention and some debate within the police services about their lawful authority to do what they did mm -hmm. and to me my impression which seems to have been confirmed by i think uh i can't remember if it was chief superintendent retired party or superintendent abrams from the opp i can't remember which one of them said that um, it was more like the political masters, or maybe that was Chief Slowly's yeah. notes. Mm -hmm. One of them, but yeah. they were more. It seemed like it was probably more of an action that was influenced by, I would say, Ottawa City Hall. I would presume Ottawa City Hall to like show yeah. like uh, the residents, the angry residents, like a, a quick win of sorts. You know what? That came out in the testimony of the um, hyper anxious city councillors, Matthew Fleury and Catherine mm -hmm. McKinney. They yeah. said that they wanted to pass uh, bylaws, even though bylaws mm -hmm. couldn't, the bylaw officers could, were told by the police, don't enforce in the red zone. Or mm -hmm. if it's convoy related, you don't enforce, we'll come mm -hmm. in and do it. So they said they wanted to bring in additional bylaws. They said, give us your top three bylaws for us to pass to make it look like we're doing something. Mm -hmm. Because they were willing to bring in bylaws mm -hmm. nobody could enforce yeah. just for the perception of usefulness. For political optics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Um, I think it was Abrams um, who said that it was, uh, I forget what I was going to say. There was, he was talking about, um, I think, the uh, the paranoia of chief slowly. He seemed really yeah. paranoid that people in the ministry wrote to get him. He thought the yeah. OPP were acting against him. Um, mm. it, it, it just revealed not only the chaos and the chaos came from the top down all along. I thought maybe slowly is maybe one of the, the not truly bad guys, not to say that he was good, but maybe not that he was great. 
Um, but mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't think there are any good guys in here. I, I keep describing it as that Spider-Man meme where they're all just like dressed the same and pointing at each other. No, you're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, no, they're literally all the bad guy here. Mm -hmm. Um, you could see the reiteration of the uh, political narrative. When Brenda Lucky, sorry, I'm reading from my phone, um, she said in a communication with um, OPS that they need to consider other treading narratives. For example, if this was BLM, would policing be so hands-off? Is this uh -huh. woman crazy? You couldn't get more hands off than the people dealing with BLM. She said, we think of the protest, politicians think of the impacts on people. Um, and she said that we need to take a more measured approach. But um, you could tell that she was thinking about the political optics of this. Um, and it sounds like she wanted more enforcement, but not necessarily the Emergencies Act. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that assessment. That's what that was my interpretation of what she was writing as, or uh, what she had communicated as well. Um, sorry, I'm just uh, going through my notes here. Um, I, do we sorry, have another? You, clip? Sorry, go ahead. I, I just saw on that that post that you just had up on the screen there mm -hmm. about the cops taking a knee. Um, yes. I was at. I was doing Overwatch for the ground people during the BLM protest here in Ottawa and they yes. were they were intimidated into taking a knee they were having like people mm -hmm. like a lot, huge crowds of people right it was a massive crowd of people were like just yelling at these handful of poorly equipped officers on the ground in front of the American embassy and throwing items at them specifically like bottles of like water bottles until i think all but one of them if I remember correctly, all but one of them took a knee in basically they were demanded to take a knee in submission. Yep. And you, you, you didn't see that from the convoy protests. That's for sure. I never. Now I remember, now I remember what I was going to say. Um, it was the concerns from Abrams about his officers being involved in illegal arrests. Um, mm, right. He, he was, he called them snatch and grabs, yeah, mm -hmm. um, which is like narco state stuff. And he said that his OPP officers, this is what Slowly wanted to do. And he said, forget it. No OPP officer is going to be involved in that. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to grab the high profile protest organizers and influencers. So I, I guess based on your social media account, maybe um, <laughs> wanted to grab them. And there's some evidence that, Brendan Miller alluded to from some people involved in the protest that they were snatched and grabbed and they were, he described it as kidnapping because they were not charged. They were pulled out of the protest and driven to the outskirts of town and dropped off in a parking lot at minus 30 without a building or a phone. Nobody knew where they were. They didn't know where they were, where they were dumped there. And that's how people end up mm -hmm. dead, if I recall correctly, from an incident in Saskatchewan about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, the Saskatoon Police uh, Service. Yeah, and that's the kind yeah. of thing that Abrams was really concerned that his guys were not going to be involved in. But that was what Slowly and Chief Bell were doing. Now, I do mm -hmm. think uh, most of those arrests happened during the major 
mobilization where they were dismantling the convoy on the 18th and the 19th. But I have, I have spoken directly to people that that happened to, they were driven out to an industrial area and dropped off and just had to make their own way back to some degree of shelter or reconnect with people all on their, all on their own. Mm -hmm. That's as you can, you would know better than me. I guess it was the Saskatoon RCMP or was it the, municipal police that they used to do that and somebody ended up dead mm-hmm. yeah it was the i'm pretty sure it was saskatoon police service and yeah that was that was something that was discussed in my former career especially working up north where winters could get quite bitter like there was often times where people would deliberately try to get arrested so that they would have a warm place to sleep for the night yeah no, sure. it's very, very, very interesting to hear. You know what, Sheila, I can see Keith Wilson, Tamara Leach's lawyer, that entered the studio with us. So I guess we'll, we'll throw to a quick ad and we'll be able to switch the guest and have him on. Yes. Let's thank Danny before he goes, though. Thanks, of Danny, course. for your expertise. Thank you. Yeah, thank your, you so much. You, Always a pleasure. Thank perspective. you for having me. Thank you. We'll have you back soon. <laughs> thank you. Hey folks, from October 13th to November 25th, we are here in Ottawa for the Emergencies Act Inquiry organized by the Public Order Emergency Commission. But why why the Emergencies Act Inquiry? Well, because during the Freedom Convoy back in February, Justin Trudeau used a never-invoked-before Emergencies Act to basically seize protesters' bank accounts, seize protesters' money, seize their assets, trample their civil liberties. So we're here this month for the next month and a half to figure out if the way the government acted was lawful and was appropriate. So we are here to hold the government accountable, but we need your help. We are here to cover it for you because everyone else here is mainstream media. So if you want to help us cover it, if you want to help us bring you the other side of the story, factual, actual news, go to truckercommission.com and consider making a donation. Thursday in Ottawa, the Public Order Emergencies Commission kicked off. It's an inquiry into the actions of the government, or at least it's supposed to be. The inquiry is allegedly meant to examine whether or not the government was justified in invoking an anti-terrorism law called the Emergencies Act to euthanize peaceful anti-COVID mandate protests taking place in the nation's capital, but also in other locations across the country. Now, the convoy to Ottawa spent nearly four weeks completely peacefully demonstrating against lockdowns and vaccine passports. It evolved into a nearly month-long street party replete with bouncy castles, hot tubs, street hockey, concerts, and community outreach efforts like soup kitchens and food for the homeless. Rebel News, as we were for the convoy to Ottawa, will be there on the ground in Ottawa to cover the commission from the beginning to the end because you just cannot trust the mainstream media. And in fact, (laughs) that's what today's report is about. We've rented an Airbnb in Ottawa where we're sending a rotating cast of journalists to report on the public order emergency inquiry. Now, you can help support our efforts there at truckercommission.com. The mainstream media's reporting about the alleged foreign nature of the convoy funding was cited as a reason the Liberals invoked the Emergencies Act to arrest, detain, and seize the property, bank accounts, and assets of anti-Trudeau demonstrators. Oh, hey, Sheila. Oh, hi. (laughs) Sorry. I'm back again. Hi, uh, Keith. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm very, um, first of all, I'm very sorry that you're going to have to listen to me croak my way through this. Um, But I wanted to ask you, we heard some crazy things today that Mm -hmm. um, Brent Miller alluded to that we'll hear more of. And one of the things was the snatch and grabs 
that Superintendent of the OPP Abrams mentioned earlier, where protesters were taken by police, OPS it sounds like, to the outskirts of town when it's bitterly cold, basically kidnapped, as Brenda Miller said, and then just mm -hmm. dumped out there with no phone, no shelter, and no way to get back or no way to get help, no way to let anybody know where they are. Uh, what do you know about this? Well, it's deeply disturbing. Uh, I spent part of the day actually reviewing the witness statements from a number of these people. One of the people who we've asked to have the right to testify is, uh, is a mom in her 30s. And she had gone to Ottawa to protest. She has an interesting story as to why she went there. She's got young kids. And someone was handing out copies of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And she approached the police line with the big goons in their green, with no badges, no identifiers, nothing. And she put the Charter of Rights down on the ground in front of her. And she got on her knees into a submissive position. And she said to the police, she said, if you advance further, you will literally be trampling on the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They snatched her up, dragged her violently and sucked her into the line. They close the line right up when they pull you in, need her, put her as she put her face in the snow, put the her arms behind her back and zip tied her, put a rifle in her face. Oh, my God. Then they marched her over and put her in a police line outside, you know, no gloves on, hands tied behind your back, minus 25, not including the wind chill. And it is a damp cold for those of us from Alberta, because I experienced it and it's penetrating um, and then waited to get processed was um, had to wait in another line, taken over, put in a paddy wagon line put in the back of a paddy wagon unheated for many hours. No bathroom break, by the way, folks. And then even though she was released, in air quotes, and not being arrested, she was still detained. That's where the kidnapping comes in. And then driven yep. to the outskirts of town with no services, no building, no phone, and kicked out. Of course, her cell phone, like everybody else's, was dead because of the long period of time and it being cold. so cold. And it's cold. So this, yeah. this mm -hmm. happened to likely hundreds, we know dozens and dozens of people. This is our new Canada under Trudeau. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is insane. That, Like I said to Danny Bulford, that's narco state stuff, yeah. abducting regime protesters, protesters against the government. Uh, just disappearing them for hours and then dumping them somewhere. And as I said to Danny, you think the police would have learned their lesson after somebody turned up dead in Saskatoon when they did this mm -hmm. in the cold. And now they're doing yes. it to moms. Another thing they were doing to moms that really stuck with me was the intimidation of the parents during this protest. Navigator, uh, just the graciest political firm there ever was, uh, they mitts deep in this stuff, they watch the left-wing Twitter mob say, oh my God, those truckers have their kids with them. So Navigator advises the OPP, or sorry, the OPS, now advises the OPS that our next communication strategy should be intimidating the parents by threat or possible seizure of their children from the convoy because apparently blue collar people who don't like Trudeau cannot be good parents. Mm -hmm. And to their credit, uh, child services 
had no part in this. Apparently they were blindsided in that press conference and not exactly happy that they were used as a tool to intimidate otherwise good parents um, at the hands of the OPS. What, what do you know about that? Well, I know that because I was in the operations centers when that message was coming in and, you know, the extent to which they were being manipulative is remarkable. It's disturbing. Another example of third world tactics, right? Um, Knowingly creating false fear on parent of parents and children and kids to advance your objective of trying to protect the prime minister from his embarrassment for his gross overreach and Mm -hmm. divot politics of division. So um, it was highly effective. It created a lot of fear and uncertainty, uh, both within the leadership and on the ground. Of course, these parents had their children with them because they were seeking to fight for the rights of their children, for their mm-hmm. charter rights, to give them a future. Um, they, again, what's remarkable is each day that unfolds, and remember, we're only on day eight of 38 days of evidence, uh, something mm-hmm. spectacular comes out mm-hmm. to expose how deeply concerned all Canadians should be about the conduct of this government and how far they're willing to go to oppress and intimidate and beat up mm-hmm. and kidnap those that seek to challenge the government. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to stay on these guys. We got to keep the truth coming out. It's outrageous. You know, it's one of the most disgraceful things I've ever heard using um children against their parents that way, or at least fear of having their children taken away. You think about what it takes to end up in Ottawa. These are people, I mean, frankly, these are my people. They're from the oil Mm -hmm. patch. They're truckers, farmers. They just want to work. They want to provide for your family. When you get those people mad enough to drive Mm -hmm. across the country to protest for weeks, A normal government would have a sober second thought, but not this one. These are people who've had their livelihoods taken away from them. They've got nothing left to lose. They've had their right to travel, their right to visit their sick and their dying, the right to go to funerals, stripped away from them, the right to work, the right to provide for their family. All they have left is their children and maybe the truck. And the government was willing to take both. Why? Because they held the wrong political views. Today was just a day that put me a little bit off the rev limiter. And I don't know if it's because I'm sick, but I just didn't have the patience to listen to testimony about my fellow Canadian citizens being abducted by their own government and parents Mm -hmm. being intimidated um, because they didn't leave their children behind for weeks in their homes. Yeah, there was one more. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just to say that you're absolutely right, Sheila. All of these things happen. We saw people getting thrown out of the police cars kilometers away from Ottawa because that was the way they were arrested. We saw, as you were just mentioning, the story of this 30-year-old mother that was brought into the police line. But the witnesses decided to focus on microaggressions, on alleged threats of violence and yeah psychological phantom hockey they decide to focus on these little little things instead of focusing on the actual violence that took place from the police from the government during the freedom convoy uber eats yeah right uber eats wasn't wasn't (laughs) able to to operate properly in town no but but sheila um (laughs) what do parents love second to their children their pets 
And right. guess what else they announced? They announced that the conditions were unsafe and inhumane for any pets that mm. were in the trucks. Many truckers have small dogs and medium-sized dogs. Yeah. They're their companions. And yeah. so they were threatening that they were going to take away. The Humane Society was going to come in, they said. And again, it was Navigator that came up with this, that they were going to, if they... If you if you didn't have children but you had a pet, they were going to take your pet away. There was this, this psychological operation that they were launching, rather than just you want to talk to about psychological. You want to talk about psychological terror? You know, I listen to people complain about idling trucks. It's psychologically terrorizing to parents to threaten to strip away their children or. As, uh, a trucker whose only companion on the road is this dog because he held the wrong political views because he tried for a moment for once in his life to speak truth to power. I am dying to know, and I'm going to file as soon as I'm done this. I want to know how much navigator was paid for this sleazy, Ooh. greasy operation. Um, who paid them? Was it the city of Ottawa? Was it OPS? Regardless, it's the Ottawa taxpayer. But I want to know mm -hmm. how much they were paid to craft this campaign of terror against innocent people. No, totally, totally. Can we can we show the viewers? Because earlier we showed we showed part of the cross examination that was done by by Brendan Miller um, with Steve Bell. Can we show um, part of the testimony given by Steve Bell from the beginning of the day? Good afternoon, Interim Chief Bell. I'm Rob Kittredge, acting for the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms at these hearings. And I have just a few questions for you today. And to show my hand a little bit, they're all geared at, as you say, fleshing out and discussing the necessity of uh, invoking the Emergencies Act. Um, I'd like to show with these questions that under your leadership, the OPS was quite capable of clearing the process, even if uh, the Federal Emergencies Act was never invoked. So. As I understand your testimony today, you identified four ways in which the uh, uh, invocation of the Emergencies Act may have been helpful to police in clearing the protests. First, it uh, streamlined the swearing in of officers from other jurisdictions. Second, it made it easier to procure towing services. And third, it, uh, the power to freeze financial accounts may have led some protesters to leave Ottawa voluntarily. Is that a fair characterization of your first three points? Uh, yes, but I don't believe I said may have been helpful. I, I believe I indicated it was helpful. Uh, which one? The, the all power of, to all freeze? Of the, all of them. Okay. All of them were helpful. I'll admit a little uh, editorial uh, uh, work on my part there. Um, so things things were a little bit rushed at the end of your time with Commission Council earlier, and I want to make sure that I properly understand your fourth and final point, which was uh, basically you said something like, uh, a solidly, uh, the invocation of the act created a solid legal framework within which police could do their work. Am I understanding you correctly uh, to think that uh, the framework that you're referring to there uh, meant the power to create an exclusion zone? That is correct. Okay. Um, so going to your first point, uh, streamlining the swearing in of officers from other jurisdictions. Acting Deputy Chief Ferguson testified that saved a few hours in some paperwork. Would you agree with that testimony? Uh, no, and, and not to contradict Deputy Chief Ferguson, but um, as my role of CAO, one of my responsibilities was the processing of those swearing-ins. Uh, it, it, it is a much more labor-intensive administrative 
process that has several checks and balances and layers to it. So I, I personally wouldn't describe it in, in hours. I would describe it in normally days. It likely could be streamlined into 24 hours, but there are a lot of people you have to line up to be able to do that. All right. Uh, so in short, though, it could likely have been done in 24 hours. Well, it could it could likely have been done in 24 hours, but I don't I, I don't think the benefit was as to when it could get done. I think the benefit was to that as soon as a member was boots on the ground in Ottawa, landed in Ottawa, they were operationally ready to be deployed. And that's what we needed as we were bringing members in from across the country. But you don't dispute that those officers could have been sworn in without emergency powers, do you? Oh, no, they could. They absolutely could have been sworn in without it. It just could have created a backlog in land time, right. particularly with the number of officers we were bringing to the city from all across the country. All right. Uh, so in this regard, though, the invocation of the Emergencies Act was helpful to police, but not necessary, strictly speaking. Is it, that fair to say? It was helpful to us, yes. All right. Thank you. Helpful, but not necessary. Isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. You know, 24 hours is what he needed. Um, Ferguson the other day said it probably saved us a few hours, but boy, if I recall correctly, the Toronto Mounted Unit was there pretty darn fast to run over a bunch of old ladies in mobility scooters um, mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, not a lot of lag time there, and we heard from the OPP that actually swearing them in is completely unnecessary because they can enforce criminal code infractions and uh, highway traffic act stuff. So, you know, if, you know, vehicle infractions, they had the right to do that and they could have engaged in any sort of arrest for mischief mm -hmm. without invoking the emergencies act to speed up the process. There was no process involved for them coming. And once the Windsor blockade resolved, they all deployed mm -hmm. to Ottawa. You can see it in the numbers of the police uh, being deployed that it just went up by hundreds once the Windsor blockade resolved. Yeah, and I mean, we, we have a lawyer right here, but I don't think the act has the right to be invoked only because it's helpful. I think it has to be necessary, no? Convenient. Convenient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I, I, I've read the Emergencies Act many times, and I can tell you with great certainty, administrative convenience is not a trigger. Uh, and again, we must remember, and I'm going to keep saying this because it's so important, what's the big hullabaloo about the Emergencies Act? Well, it allows the government to write a blank check over your rights mm -hmm. and yeah. your bank account and your insurance policies and your RRSPs. Um, it's, it is the most extreme legal power that exists on the books in Canada. That is why it was only previously ever used when it was called the War Measures Act mm -hmm. during World War One, World War Two, the FLQ crisis, mm -hmm. and now an embarrassed, petulant child prime minister who the working class said enough, we're tired of you. Mm -hmm. Um, taking away the futures from our children and our neighbors and our communities. Mm -hmm. uh, we're tired of you uh, ignoring the charter and the rule of law. We're tired of you in your arbitrary divisive politics, trying to get reelected again in your mm -hmm. election by pitting one group of Canadians against another. And we're coming to Ottawa to take a stand. Mm -hmm. This was not a proper basis. It just, just at a pure sort of 
common sense level, let alone clearly illegal level. The, they, they haven't, each day that goes by, at the end of the day, myself and the others on our legal team, we look to one another and we go, well, anything yet? Nope. There's been no evidence from any witness that supports the legal criteria for the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that the bar is never lowered. That's a really important point to make here, I think, yes. mm -hmm. is that this was, this is for a 9-11 event on Canadian soil. This is like if the Russians invade us, that's when we use this. This isn't yeah. for Bounty Castle's mm -hmm. hot tubs and embarrassing and a, a prime minister with no shame, which, you know, mm -hmm. I'm surprised it's possible to embarrass the guy who performs like he does, but here we are. Um, so it's really important that we never lower the bar Mm -hmm. to just people who inconvenience a couple of thousand Ottawa busybodies, because really well, that's that what this comes down to. Yeah, or that yeah. hurt the feeling yeah. of the prime, the feelings of the prime minister. I'm sure he would yeah. like this to be a crime, hurting his feelings. Yeah, poor Justin. Well, and you know when the FLQ crisis, the kidnappers were the actual terrorists and not the police. So we've got the inverse going on mm -hmm. going on this time around. Um, I also noticed that. Uh, today, and I was talking with Danny Bulford about this, is that there were, um, Brett Lucky features prominently in today's mm -hmm. testimony, um, that she was concerned that they should not take a hands-off approach. She said something so crazy. She said, if this were BLM, what would we be doing? Well, I said, taking a knee. A lot <laughs> <would less>. be, <laughs> A lot less. You wouldn't be arresting them. Um, but even she weighed in. She weighed in uh, in an email with public safety on February 13th. And she said there are plenty of more resources to use, including existing Ontario law, than the Emergencies Act. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very damning thing because that was directly with uh, the minister's office, Mendicino's office, directly from the RCMP saying there are still tools in the toolbox to use. We don't need to go nuclear. And then the next day they went nuclear. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was the prime minister and the cabinet that went nuclear on the Sunday night after they were briefed by their senior security advisor from the Privy Council, which was documents of that were released in early August, that the borders were reopened um, and that there'd been this breakthrough agreement that I was involved with uh, in Ottawa to move the trucks out of the downtown and concentrate on Wellington and have the rest go out to our base camps. Mm -hmm. And so there was just no factual basis on the ground. We were de-escalating and he stopped it because yeah. as I said, when I got the phone call, it was interesting when, when Brendan Miller, because I briefed Brendan on my phone call that I received from Steve K, the city manager on the Wednesday, I provided my Roger cell phone record. So you could see, he texted me and he said, Keith, are you available for a call? A few minutes later, you yep. see that, that he calls me. We speak for 11 minutes. That's a long time. What did we talk about? Yeah. First of all, he was very, very, his, his, he's a very upbeat guy and his tone was right down bottom. And I was like, uh Oh, what's up? And he's like, I got bad news. We've tried hard. I thought we were going to pull this off, but it looks like it's not going to happen. The new interim chiefs intervened and the federal government's intervened and they're not going to let us do the truck moves. And I remember saying to him, looks to me like the prime minister wants his TMN square moment. Yep. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. He yep. wanted 
to retaliate mm -hmm. against law-abiding Canadians of every ethnic background, particularly of the working class, the blue-collar, non-laptop civil servant class, um, yeah. for daring to... Uh, uh, reject his offer of let them eat cake. Mm -hmm. And so he sent in the goons. Um, and they just, we just got to keep getting the truth out here. It's, it's completely wrong what's happened. Um, and, and I have been struck by, uh, some of the honesty of like that, that we've talked about this, the head of the OPP's intelligence unit. I mean, it was just remarkable, his truthfulness. Mm -hmm. um, and even uh, Steve Kay was very candid and honest in his testimony, as was the mayor's chief of staff. I was, uh, I didn't think that was going to happen. I was worried that they were all going to tell a story and we were going to have to work a lot harder and cross to try and get the truth out and work harder with our witnesses. Mm -hmm. But so far, uh, it's this is not going well for the government at all. Yeah, and wh when you talk about nope. honesty, there's just two two last thing I want to make sure we touch on before we close the live stream. I saw recently GCCF announced that you are calling for the commission to call the chair, well, the, the head of the CBC, uh, state funded CBC, as a witness for the emergencies of inquiry. Can you explain why uh, the GCCF? is pushing for that to, to happen. So a number of uh, the legal teams have joined together and we've made a formal request under the rules of the inquiry process for the commissioner to use his subpoena powers to compel the attendance of the head of the CBC. Now, of course, she's going to have to come come in from out of country because apparently she spends a lot right. of time she, in New York. She lives but, in New know, York, yeah. You know, we'll have to wait for <laughs> Atlanta con. Pearson to serve it. Um, but uh, and it's the same mechanism that was used by the commission today to subpoena Premier Ford because uh, mm -hmm. he was refusing to voluntarily attend. But why would we want the head of the CBC to testify? If you look at the order in council constituting this inquiry and giving the commissioner's mandate, one of the things that he's to delve into is misinformation and disinformation. Well, who comes immediately to mind when you start to think about misinformation and disinformation in the media? Like, I mean, the CBC is almost in a class on their own. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, I mean, I, it, it's remarkable to me that they government, the federal government seems to think that anybody who talks about the vaccine being experimental is engaging in misinformation. When I under oath got Dr. Lorenko, who's the head of uh, Health Canada that approved the vaccine to admit that it's experimental. Mm -hmm. So how can her testimony under oath be misinformation? Uh, our view is that we're going to seek to expose the misinformation of the government. They're trying to characterize everything that the convoy was talking about and the motivation for Canadians to on cold winter weather to come out to Ottawa was driven by misinformation. No, it was driven by an understanding of the truth and their disdain at the misinformation from the state funded media. The federal so government. that's why we've sought to uh, subpoena the head of the CBC. So this, mm. this show ain't over yet, man. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she actually co comes to comes to the commission. Yeah, I really hope so. And you touched on Doug Ford. I remember one of our first, actually, I think our first interview that we ever did at the commission, uh, I asked you about Doug Ford and what, what were your thoughts on him not testifying? You told me that you believe he can send him his message across through his counsel, through the attorney of Ontario. But you seem right now to 
want Premier Duck for to be testifying in front of the committee. Did you change your mind? Or can you explain why you think it's important for Duck for to testify? Because the the, the COVID nineteen mandates were federal. The Emergencies Act was, uh, you know, handled by the federal government. But I'm sure Doug Ford had a, a role in that as well. Sure. Well, just to clarify, I know there's so many different groups with so many names at play. Mm -hmm. It was the CCLA, uh, so a civil liberties group, and another group, as well as the Ottawa Residents Associations Council, yeah. that have made made the formal request for Doug Ford to be called to testify. In the face of that request, the commission disclosed that they had been making numerous requests for Mr. F Premier Ford to testify, and he'd been refusing them. And so as a result, the commission on its own initiative had gone ahead and subpoenaed him. It only came to light when a formal request was made by these other groups. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see him, in my view, in our legal team, we don't see him as a significant player. Um, others do. I think it's helpful for to have him come. Mm -hmm. But I, my understanding as well and I haven't been able to confirm this independently, but it's been somebody said to me that apparently he's seeking to challenge <laughs> the subpoena. Whoa. Good luck with that. He really doesn't want to appear in front. Yeah, of well, well, why yeah. do that? I mean, that was the prime minister could have done that yeah. too. And instead he got out in front of it and said, oh, oh, I'd be happy to testify. Welcome the opportunity. That's the smart <laughs> political move. Yeah. So why yeah. Ford is now going to draw more attention to himself by seeking to fight the the subpoena, if my, my very recent information is accurate, is, is 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 strange um i guess the cautionary tale for government and politicians is um and 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 the wisdom of those who enacted the current version of the emergencies act to require this inquiry some people have said well if there's no penalty at the end if there's no consequence what's the value in it i think we're seeing the value of it mm -hmm. uh we're seeing the truth come out slowly in a methodical way, um, in a pace that's digestible, but each day is literally shocking in terms of the level of incompetence and corruption mm -hmm. that's being exposed by these governments. Yeah, and Doug Ford initially said, I don't know if you, if you remember, Doug Ford initially said that he wasn't asked to testify for the Emergencies Act at the beginning, yet mm -hmm. we saw today that he was asked on September 19th to testify. Can we show the clip where yes. Ford says that he was never asked to testify for the Emergencies Act inquiry. Do we have that clip? Uh, honestly, it, I don't know what yeah. Doug Ford's going to tell me that Trudeau won't. Like those two are in lockstep. So right. I don't know what uh, what new thing he might tell me, but if we do have that clip, that would be great. If not, we should throw to an ad so that uh, Keith can gracefully leave the set without getting tangled <laughs> up in his headphones. <laughs> Man, we're already past 7 p.m. anyway. Yeah, uh, we'll get to the chats and then we'll, uh, if we could throw to an ad yeah. so that Keith can leave um, so we don't have to look at his uh, midsection as he gets up and walks off set, <laughs> then, uh, then we'll finish our chats if that's okay, Olivia. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see freedom focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is 
Without you and your generosity, there is no Rebel News. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Welcome back. I wish I had said some nicer things to Keith before he left. Got to thank him for. <laughs> we'll definitely see him again this week, yeah, Sheila, for sure. And look, look yes. we've got right here, right here in the studio. Are we able to see? No, it's our. It's probably yes. the loudest uh, member, I, Rebel News family. Hi. <laughs> uh, your voice Hi, is Yankee. gone. But completely, yeah. Completely. Well, but uh, no. Oh, so the, better, the for our. I think I think we found that clip, so we should throw to that uh, Doug Ford Doug Ford clip. Yes. How come, Premier Ford, you're not testifying at this inquiry? Were you asked? Did you decline? I have not. I have not been asked uh, again. Uh, I want to repeat what I said earlier. We have top officials uh, from the OPP that were running the operation with conjunction with municipal uh, police agencies and uh, the RCMP. You know, our police did an incredible job. They, they were very peaceful, they moved forward, and I am so proud to stand here and back our police right across this country and right across this province. I'll always support our police. They're professional, they're polite, and they ended up getting the job uh, done. Thank you. A little liar. Like I said, said there's, <laughs> there's nothing he's gonna tell me that Trudeau won't. Yeah, yeah so exactly. we're inside the same brain. Yeah, progressive doesn't go with conservative. There are antonyms. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, it, it's deeply disappointing. I expected from Trudeau, but I've come to expect it from Doug Ford. Um, you know, I, I thought he was the real deal four years ago. Uh, he, I thought he was the brother, but turns out he's not. Yeah, never judge someone by their siblings for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let that be a lesson that we learned in yeah. all of this. Yeah. So Yankee, what are you what are you going to be doing for the trucker commission? Are you just here Whoa. to hang out in the Airbnb? He's here to hang out. I'm here to hang out. No, I, I had to come see it in person. I did miss the trucker convoy because I was back home working all day. So I, I happened to have been around the area. So I decided to pop in, see what it is in real life, and mostly my job is behind the scenes, making sure all the clubs get up making sure that uh, everyone could find the clips and and doing the social media in general. So uh, I was uh, in the area, as I said, so I popped in to hey, bug William and wish hey. him a happy birthday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know Yankee was there last time. And last time he was at a Rebel News Airbnb, the Airbnb got raided. So I hope you won't stay here for too long. <laughs> I don't, He's I don't a heat score. Exactly. I don't, want, I don't want him to stand in front of the police like this because they're trying to, uh, to raid our, our Airbnb once again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. But but we have some updates coming on, on that. It's part of the lockdowns. The, the trucker commission is part of Trudeau shutting down the lockdowns. But regarding the Airbnb and the lawsuits that we have in the Montreal police, we'll have an update in the coming weeks. Yeah, you guys have been working behind the scenes um, to bring everybody a more comprehensive story about what has happened then, but also since, and what we're doing about it. Um, because, yeah, it, I mean, could you imagine, that was our office. Could you imagine if CBC's yes. office was raided? They'd be <laughs> losing their minds. Just, I, I mm -hmm. mean, but they'd, they'd have to be do something. 
doing something raid worthy, right? Like questioning mm -hmm. the regime. They don't do that. But yeah, could you imagine well, if any news outlet was raided? Never. Never. Well, they tried with a few different judges to get a warrant for, I believe it was around 10 hours. They couldn't yeah. get one. And then they just left. Yes, yeah, they couldn't get one because well, it's BS. <laughs> yeah, because it's BS. Well, while well, causing a lot of harm in the way, obviously, for freedom and, and for people individually. But they just left. That, that's how that night ended. They just left. And I, and I believe nobody has received any tickets uh, outside of David from that night, from, from the day. Like they, they, they told the media they're going to be sending uh, $6,000 fines to each rebel, which... That night, that day, I keep saying night because I was usually out at night. Um, that day, they did not give any tickets so far. Maybe they'll send them in the mail. Who knows? Because yeah. I, I did receive tickets in the mail almost a year later. Ridiculous, but I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Do we? Do you have any chats from today's live stream? To yeah, we do. Go back have, to what happened in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, we've got three uh, from. Atomot, I think this is Adam Ottawa, a regular viewer on um oh, Adam on uh, Adam Ottawa. Uh, anyways, yeah. five bucks of violence that they felt that was worth five bucks to write. Yeah, that's a quote from <laughs> Chief Bell. Um, feelings <laughs> violence, so they're like physical felt, but like their feelings yeah, were hurt. Bad vibes. Then, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Wrong bad vibes, mojo. I guess. Yeah. Did he get uh. his badge from a Cracker Jacks box? Apparently he's been he's a 27 year police officer. Mm -hmm. So he knows better. But I guess the moral of the story is wokeism can get you at any point in your career. And mm -hmm. while we saw some good cops from the OPP, uh, particularly Abrams and Morris, um, you've got a Bill Blair on your hands here with Steve mm -hmm. Bell, where he's more concerned about the politics and being upwardly mobile and perhaps running for the liberals than actually being a good cop for his community. Yeah. Well, you know, the first part of this, of, the, of this, of this chat uh, from Adam, by the way, this Adam Ottawa, thank you for sharing this city with me here in Ottawa, <laughs> this, this corrupt city filled with liberals everywhere. Congratulations. But yeah, you know, you see the left, the left, the left claims that speech is violence. So according to yeah. them, if your feelings are hurt, if what another person tells you, if you don't agree with that message, it is violence. That's that's the leftist mantra. So it's right. not surprising to see these left-leaning individuals testifying yep. and saying the speech is violence. Okay, the yeah, problem well, with that is we just can't laugh at them. The problem that's... with that, though, is we just can't laugh at them. Because when they are labeling your speech as violence, what do you do when, or what are you justified in doing when someone's committing violence against you? And that's self-defense self-defense and you can meet mm -hmm. violence with violence and that's so that's why... how somebody gets gets punched out for having the wrong opinion yeah well mm -hmm. they say punch a nazi and then they decide everyone is a nazi including myself i've been called a nazi <laughs> i'm very jewish and a <laughs> yeah. uh, <our> grandson <laughs> of holocaust survivors and and it's like i'm the nazi well they are, and then and then they say punch a Nazi, and then they punch you. And well, they didn't punch me particularly, yeah. but but they punched you at a women's march uh, yeah, because you were not kind a of woman, woman. <laughs> complying with uh, their their fake yeah. idea, crazy idea. Yeah, yeah, Yankee is the infamous Jewish Nazi that everyone's talking about. Yeah. All right, but, yeah. Do, yeah. Do, we, do we have another chat? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, 
It's funny though, because most people saying punch Nazis are, uh, they've never seen a real Nazi and they've never punched anybody in their whole life. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got Adam oh, this, one's got, this one's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got stuff to say about this too. Check yeah, out the sticker on Paul Champ. I pointed it out when I saw it. Paul mm-hmm. Champ is the lawyer for the Ottawa busybodies. Um, it says tax the rich. Champ doesn't believe in people working hard for the money. Um, Champ is rich and he's a lawyer for rich people who's happy to make sure that the government cracks down on the rights of the working class. And this obnoxious weirdo hypocrite has got a tax the rich sticker on his expensive laptop. Do you think Paul Champ is sending any extra money to the federal government because he is a high income earner as a lawyer for busybodies? Of course mm-hmm. not. That's just a, it's virtue signaling tax the rich. Oh, but not, not me. Not rich like me, rich like the trucker who makes $100,000 a year, but also has mm-hmm. to make owner-operator payments on his truck and pay exorbitant fuel taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, Cham is probably the most unprofessional lawyer I've seen at the commission yet. Oh, he gets handsy. When, yeah, when you get handsy and when you, when you hit a reporter... Because he asks questions that you don't that you that you that you don't like seeing being asked, then you're having this thousands of dollars worth laptop with a tax keep our rich, powder dry. Yeah, with a with a tax with a tax tax the rich sticker on it, and you wear a great suit with a large tie. You are part of that. You are part of that uh, that population that is rich. <laughs> Yeah, well, quite again, asking questions are violence. That's why he was allowed to uh, shove you. I don't think it was a punch, but it was more of a uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Big physical he, no, it wasn't punch. a punch. He shoved you yeah, out yeah. of the way. Yeah, it wasn't a punch. Uh, yeah. The exact uh, video, but I've seen it. He, he definitely touched you because your words were violence, and and that's what he uh, he did. Or maybe he denies yeah, it. I'm not said, sure. I, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just they say you're being aggressive, but then they put their hands on you. I'm like, well, I think you have a yeah. different definition of aggressive than I do. Yeah, I mean, you um, don't see Keith Wilson walking around with a "I Love the Freedom Convoy" sticker on his uh, on his laptop. You don't see him walking around even with a political yeah, but, message as a pin. Yeah, but if he did, if he did, at least you would know that he lives it. Like mm-hmm. you know, like if it yeah, Keith said, yeah, but at I least love freedom. Yeah, like he literally—that's yeah, but... his mantra. Yeah, at least he stays professional. You're the rich guy. Mm-hmm. At least he you're stays the rich professional. Guy not you know. Any extra money. Yeah. I, yeah. I've watched his line of questioning, and I'm a lot of the times I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, what what is his goal with these lines of questioning, other than just talking? Like, it, it, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know what he's trying to get at, even sometimes. But but that's how he questions. I guess he wants to prove that. Uh, it was literal violence, which nobody knows of. There, everyone is talking about third-party violence. They might have heard from someone else. Well, that that was uh, what's their name, um, Catherine McKinney. There, we're gonna go with they them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, also, no firsthand. <laughs> Sorry, no, me neither. Well, we'll see who wins. I promise. I promise not to misgender her. I promise not okay, to misgender. Do not this. This gender, um, but we'll see who wins tonight. Well, we'll see who wins tonight the, the, the mayoral race, and that will be very interesting Indeed. to see how Indeed. Ottawa residents feel or not. And 
what is in for Ottawa if there's another protest that the government doesn't approve of? Mm-hmm. Because as we we spoke about, um, you guys spoke about earlier, um, the Ottawa, the Steve Bell, the former police interim police chief, said that the the Emergencies Act was a good tool for them to not necessarily that it was needed, but you know it was cool. It worked, you know, removing <laughs> yeah. all your rights apparently worked to, you know, dictators love That's removing all the rights. It works. You, you know? got to, what do they say? You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Like that's what yeah. a, a lot of the testimony that I heard where they're like, well, you know, it was helpful, you know, uh, things would have resolved on their own, but it was good. <laughs> like, of course it was good. Yeah, it was good. Like, cause you made your life easier. And all I can tell is you're lazy. Take, like they're taking, they're testifying that some of them were taking like two days off in the middle of this national emergency. I mm-hmm. wish. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's no, get to of this course, last of course, one. it's laziness. Yeah, it's already been 15, 15 minutes past seven. Do you have one last, yeah, uh, one last uh, chat? And I have like this much voice left in me. Well, well, um, I actually spoke with uh, Paul, uh, Paul Otto Newman, I believe, today in, on Twitter. Um, they were asking about uh, the making sure that we announce the when the live streams are. So they're every day at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. That's right. 6 p.m. Eastern time. So he says, he gives us five bucks. Thanks very much. We should all be grateful to the truckers in Ottawa and Coots. If it hadn't been for them, we would still likely have Aaron O'Toole as leader of the Conservative Party. And Danielle Smith wouldn't be Premier mm. of Alberta. Paul, that you're so wise. True. That is 100% true. Um, if not for, well, Jason Kenney's treatment of lockdown resistors, and if not for the truckers at Coots, he mm-hmm. would still be in power. And let me tell you, I ran into those truckers from Coots at the United Conservative Party AGM, and I, they were there as delegates, as members. And I said, were you guys members Interesting. When Jason Kenney when Jason Kenney yeah. was trying to arrest you, when he was cracking down on you, telling lies about you. And they said, yeah, we were UCP members mm-hmm. then. We were his people that he turned on. Wow. So then the party no, turned on him. Careful what you yeah, wish there's for. A cl- yeah, there's a clear reason why Jason Kenney yeah. isn't the, prim- the premier of Alberta anymore and isn't the leader of the U- UPC anymore as well. Yes. That's UCP. I think UCP, that's the end of the show. Right. Guys. <laughs> yep. guys, thanks for uh, letting my horrible voice be in your ears for the last hour and 18 minutes. Um, thanks so much for your hard work today, William. Yankee, look forward to seeing you do some work in Ottawa. Yeah. Valuable really addition to the Airbnb while you're there. Thanks to everybody <laughs> He does. Yankee never takes a minute off. He makes everything louder in the Airbnb. I make everything that's louder. That's, that's, that's that is word. true. <laughs> well, I hope your voice gets better. My mom actually texted me and said I should wish you uh, better health, and especially your voice. So <laughs> I, I know she's watching. Me. I know she's watching. Viewers <laughs> so, are currently a, emailing me about yeah, my voice. Sheila's dying. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, thanks so much, guys. Thanks to the team behind the scenes. I know you're all working very hard, too. Thanks to everybody who pitched in to keep the lights on. Um, We'll see everybody back here tomorrow, same time, uh, 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain. Pray to God that it isn't me. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. In your evidence in chief, you kept using the word violence regarding protesters, right? Yes. All right. And... 
You've heard the evidence of Superintendent Morris already. You sort of touched on that. And he had stated that the lack of violence in Ottawa uh, during the protest was actually shocking. So I, do, I don't recall that statement. All right. So is it fair to say that when you use the phrase violence, you're not actually describing any form of physical assaults, are you? I'm, I'm well, physical assaults do contribute to what I'm describing. I was specifically describing the violence that our community felt as a result of the culmination of actions that the occupiers engaged in. So the violence that they felt, not actual violence, is that what you're saying? That is correct. Not, not the criminal code definition of violence, but the violence that they felt by having incessant horns blared. Right. And by not, having trucks run 24-7 a day. Right. By having people intimidate them and follow them. And by having people rip masks off their head. By feeling sheltered in their homes. Well, I, I th leave. thank you. I understand what you mean. But you're not talking about violence under Section 2 of the CSIS Act, are you? No, I'm not. Thanks.